Welcome to Better You Live, an HCI podcast dedicated to giving you the tools, motivation, and inspiration you need to take things to the next level in your career and in life. Now, coming to you live from HCI's Main Street studio in downtown Cincinnati, here is your host, Alan Mellish. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Human Capital Institute's Better You Live. I'm Alan Mellish, and I'm your host. This is the HCI podcast where we give you tools, motivation, and wisdom to succeed in work and life. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone to rate and subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. If you've got a comment on Twitter, use the hashtag HCI Live. Today's episode is going to be focusing on... Uh, a, a conversation with my guest, John Baldoni. John is an internationally recognized executive coach, educator, and the author of 14 leadership books published in 10 languages. Today, we're here to s- speak with John about his latest book, Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. And I've actually got, I got a copy here, almost knocked over my lamp, but um, uh, be sure to check that out on, uh, on Amazon. But we're going to dive right in and welcome John to Better You. Well, thank you, Alan. I appreciate that warm welcome and uh, appreciate you showing the book cover of my book, Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. That's right. So uh, <laughs> so let's let's dive right in. Um, I, I want to start with uh, uh, with allowing you to define your terms. That's always helpful, I think, when when we're talking about these kind of topics. So what do you mean by grace and what does it mean to lead with grace in right. uh, in your life? Good question. Uh, Grace, as I define it, uh, is uh, the catalyst for the greater good. And as most um, your viewers know, that grace is a concept that we normally associate with uh, faiths, and it's endemic. We traditionally think of it from the Catholic, or excuse me, from the Christian tradition, but it's endemic in all faiths. Um, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism. Uh, it's the sense of looking out for others. And frankly, when you think about it, uh, grace, we're wired. It's into our DNA. I'm looking at grace as the catalyst for the greater good. And what I mean by that is an obligation to how can we make our workplace or our community better? And leaders have a particular responsibility for that. They are ones who make things happen. And to, for me to dissect the concept of grace, I turned it into an acronym, which we can explain now or later on, but it's talking about the precepts behind it, which are generosity, respect, action, compassion, and energy. When leaders act with those traits, they create conditions where people want to belong. And part of that comes from the concept of purpose. Now, I've done a couple of books are focused on purpose. And purpose, as many folks say, is our why, the why of what we do. And from our why comes our uh, vision, our sense of becoming. It also sparks our mission, which is our doing. And you can achieve a vision and a mission with people or in spite of people. I would like to argue that working with people certainly from a leadership perspective, is the ideal way to do things because better to bring people along than to work against them. Just makes life easier, frankly. So where does grace come in? If we think of purpose as the why, then grace becomes the how. And it's how I treat 
people. And while values and what sparks what comes from that, our purpose and our grace together are our values. And values spark our sense of belonging. And, and you think about grace. Grace becomes that vehicle, that agent, if you will, that enables um, us to connect with others. And connection is the root of engagement. And all companies strive for higher levels of engagement, which promoting engagement is a leader's responsibility. So it's kind of a long-winded answer, but that's where my head's at right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that, and uh, I want to re repeat the uh, the acronym that you use that sort of helps shape the book. It's uh, generosity, respect. Um, what's the A again? Uh, Action action and uh, uh and connection. connection and 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 then energy yeah um and what generosity is g is the generosity yeah. and generosity is that spirit of sharing mm -hmm. and from okay we think of sharing in an altruistic thing if i have something i share it with you and we both benefit but from a leader's perspective there's a, something a little greater and that's the sharing of power or mm -hmm. responsibility. And uh, one, a great leadership commentator who inspired me was Admiral Stockwell. Admiral Stockwell spent seven years in the Hanoi Hilton along with John McCain. Mm -hmm. And later when he uh, uh, got, was released, he went to university, uh, excuse me, not, he went, be, went to the Hoover Institute at Stanford and mm -hmm. studied Stoic philosophy. And in part of that, his studies, he came up with the concept, or, or, or wrote a lot about leadership, and he talked about leaders increase their power by giving it away. So we think, how can that be? How do you become stronger by giving things away? Mm -hmm. Well, really, it's that if I share my power, I share my good things, then you get on board with me, and I want to contribute. So it's an empowering strategy, or mm -hmm. if you will. Respect is treating, looking at others um, with, as people of dignity and, and the dignity of work. And I think sometimes in our work environment, we kind of forget that people are people. And um, part of this also is a sense of respect. And it's looking at individuals and making positive assumptions before we jump to the negative. So for example, Alan, if you're on my team, I'm your boss and you're assigned to me and I go, oh yeah, that Alan guy is kind of, I heard some things about him. So all automatically I'm prejudiced against you. Right. Rightly or wrong, probably wrongly. Okay. But the more positive way is to Alan's new to my team. And I go, Alan, you're welcome here. We talk about things. You tell me your expectations and I'm giving you the not so much the benefit of the doubt, which I am, but I want you to succeed and I'm going to trust you and I uh, want you part of us. So I'm treating you with a sense of respect. Uh, the next thing is action. And leaders, as you well know, because you do this and work in this arena, make things happen. We Leaders think, but they have to make things happen too. And so that's where action comes in. And they mobilize. They mobilize people for the greater good, for the cause, whatever the organizational purpose is. The 
third, the next concept is compassion, or C, mm-hmm. and compassion is caring about others, caring about the humanity of another person. That doesn't mean you need to meddle. Some uh, bosses are more familial with uh, folks. We see this yeah. in family enterprises. You have to know what your boundaries are. But it's basically, again, it's tied to respect that I care about you as a human being. And I know you have another life. Um, And it's it's respecting that, too. And the final E uh, acronym is E, which is energy. Leaders must stay energized themselves, but they have to energize the popular, energize the organization for the greater good to achieve it. So. All of these concepts, the, the G, the R, and the C are the outward-looking, uh, compassionate drivers, if you will. And the A and the C are what leaders do, activate and energize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's um, that's definitely a powerful combination. And, and um, uh, when you were talking about, uh, when you used the example of um, uh, having a... a taking on just sort of a, a more positive set of assumptions about somebody, giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, uh, I remember one of the things that stuck in my head a long time ago was, and this was just more of advice that uh, I got in a training for um, just general interpersonal stuff at work was um, assume positive att- intent. You know, even if somebody does something that, you can't, you know, where you're like, why would they do that? That's crazy. That, you know, that's, you know, that really messes what I'm trying to do up. Um, you know, their chances are they probably weren't doing it to just blow up your afternoon. Um, they, they either didn't know what the effect was going to be on you or there was a, an overriding reason that, that, uh, that caused them to do that thing. And so it's a, uh, that, that is a, having that assumption is really powerful because you can at least get to someplace, uh, you, you can at least avoid the, the trap of, uh, of jumping down somebody's throat when you don't, you don't need to. Which is a very good point. And I, you raise a, a good point, Alan, and all of these attributes um, 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 have an organizational component. So in other words, if the leader is acting with generosity, that's going to filter off to the organization. Mm -hmm. And if I'm your boss, I treat you with respect. Well, there's going to be a reciprocity. I expect you to treat your colleagues with respect. And we create this culture of respect. And when we get out of alignment in our values, we decrease the the incident of belonging. I don't feel I belong anymore, but I'm going to hold you accountable uh, because you're not being respectful for someone else. And when a boss stands up for that, it really makes the the team feel more cohesive because you're calling out, which is you had talked about, calling out bad behavior or inappropriate behavior mm-hmm. in, a, in a certain environment, which if let go, will, fa- will fester and create disharmony, which is antithetical to organizational effectiveness. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to, uh, I confess I've not read the whole book, but I was, I have skipped around in it. And I think there's, uh, there's really great stories in here that, um, you know, both from 
inside the the business world and also from uh, just from you know athletes musicians and, and lots of different people um i guess what was uh, why did you use stories so much to kind of illustrate what you're what you're talking about? Good question. I like stories because a that's how we as adults really learn. Mm-hmm. And I've written a lot about story. I'm an uh, old speech writer, and when you think of a speech that is memorable to you, typically it involves a story that the speaker tells about something, and we that resonates with us. Mm-hmm. So, and also the precepts of adult learning is we learn from stories. And so the other reason was grace is my um, stake in the ground for the, the kindness that exists in our culture. We are too readily dismissive of, mm-hmm. of it because we're bombarded by call it anti-social media, and I'm not against social media, but so much of social media focuses on lack of respect and sometimes lack of judgment and all of those things. And so there's a hostility to it and it kind of drowns out the good things that are going on. So if I have this precept that I believe that there is kindness and goodness and sharing in the world, my proof is talking to people, and I interviewed a a good number, but also the stories that they tell, as well as the stories of others that I found uh, that you mentioned. And and those are the people who who live a life full of grace in the sense of treating others respectfully with generosity and Mm -hmm. compassion. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, you you touched on this already, but I think the, uh, the one of the core concepts that stood out to me was the fact that, um, you know, grace by most people's definition is it's not just uh, it's not just an act of generosity. It's an act of generosity or it's generosity towards someone who didn't necessarily earn it. Um, uh, you know, if somebody's if somebody's undeniably screwed, screwed something up. That's a that's the an opportunity to lead with grace. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, there's a that's a good point. I think that leaders don't lead with grace with a sense of reciprocity. They ex they expect if they're going to create a culture where people pull pull together, they want others to emulate that behavior. But if I do something positive for you, I'm a giver. I don't necessarily expect something in return. If I'm a merchant, maybe that's a different dynamic, but it's right. not ex, it's not transactional, it's transformative. And mm. transformative would mean that I live a good life or I lead well with all the precepts of grace. And then you, Alan, on my team, you're inspired to do the same thing. And in return, your, your colleagues, your direct reports, are inspired to do the same thing. So it's transformational. We work Mm -hmm. together on this. And interesting, Adam Grant, who I uh, talk about in the book, uh, in his first book, Give and Take, talks about the people who are most generous. One of the ways they stay generous is they have low expectations, not of themselves, (laughs) but expectations of giving. I do you a favor. If it comes back to me, fine. If it doesn't, 
okay, I move on and give somebody else a favor or that's, they're not looking at life as, as giving favors, but yeah. they don't dwell on the fact that, Hey, this guy owes me because if we get in the toting, uh, toting up pluses and minuses like that, we can drive ourselves nuts. Now, I do talk about reciprocity because I interviewed uh, Wayne Baker, who's a, a professor at the University of Michigan Business School, and he's pioneered some concepts of, uh, of give and take. He's worked with Adam Grant, who was once a graduate student with him. And they talk about this, uh, how we can sh is creating sharing communities where uh, um, people are motivated to pitch in what they can offer. Maybe they'll get something back specifically, but they do it out of the goodness of helping others, helping the team succeed. So that's mm -hmm. the most healthy way that I would say is acting with grace. But if we get into, well, chit for chat, that's okay in a merchandise atmosphere, but it's right. not a good leadership precept to have. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, uh, and too, I think that the, uh, uh that's a, it was really interesting to me instead of a, um, you know, this is a way to approach mentorship when you're, uh, when you're in a leadership capacity, um, or when you're, um, uh, you know, or when somebody has, uh, as a road to forgiveness, you know, not to put too flighty an idea on it, but the, uh, the, you know, cause people screw up at work and, um, right. It, I'm it, glad it, you mentioned forgiveness because there's too little of it. In our culture, we are quick yeah. to we are quick to praise, but we are also quick to judge. Mm -hmm. And um, I always like to say myself, my first impressions are always wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I, I keep that in mind because somebody who's maybe I gets me crossways, they turn out to be a wonderful human being. So shame on me. So I I'm learning to to not trust my instincts sometimes on that. But this concept of forgiveness is very much rooted in um, grace. And forgiveness is stems from something we call mercy. You know, uh, mercy is uh, that quality where I can extend uh, um, a helping hand, but extend a sense of looking on the brighter side or looking past an omission or a, a hurt or a slight. And so mm -hmm. often we get, and this is where social media plays into it. We get, we create a culture of slights, you know, where something is misinterpreted, which is so easy to do on yeah. social media because it's just words or maybe it's a video, but yeah. you know, so many things can be misinterpreted. And I know I'm victim of this myself or not victim of it. Uh, I, inadvertently propagate it. Uh, but the, the problem is, is that, that so we need to show mercy and you walk away from things. But but by playing this again, tit for tat, that's that's not how life really should work. And creating this culture of mercy and forgiveness um, is a way of moving forward. Now, those who have been wronged, we always it's kind of it's a double edged sword because too often we look at people who've been wronged and we are amazed when they forgive them, forgive their perpetrator. But then sometimes we kind of think, well, they should forgive them. Oh, excuse me. These are the people that were uh, wronged, you know, right. but so how somehow they rise above the situation and they're the ones who act with forgiveness. And in doing so, they are, um, extraordinary and they are men and women of grace from whom we can 
only admire. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there was the um, um, the the family of that of that poor man who um, got shot in his own apartment uh, in Dallas. The uh, uh, bottom gene. Yes. 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 Yeah. Exactly. And they um, uh, the, that was just a couple of weeks ago where they um, you know were hugging and forgiving the um, uh, the police officer who uh, you know committed that terrible error in judgment. Right. Exactly. And, and they, um, they, their family had been wronged. My goodness, they lost the eldest son of the family, yeah. but they acted with mercy, forgiveness, and that's true grace. I actually did a piece on that for Forbes.com if anybody's interested, but they showed terrific um, forgiveness and they exhibited grace. They didn't have to do that, um, but yeah. they, you know, they said, this is the way we were raised, that they are people of faith. And this is, and the young man who was Brant Jean, the younger brother said, my brother would have wanted me to do this. And right. so, I mean, what can you say, but admire that. And there is grace in that world. And which only confirms the reason why I uh, wanted to talk about grace, because it exists within our world. And, mm -hmm. and we see examples of it all the time. I, I like to think that we can act with the better angels of our nature, but the better angels of our nature don't often get the publicity that the devils do. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. Um, well, and please send me a link to that and we can, uh, we can make sure that the, the, a link to your article about that in, in Forbes.com and we'll put it in the, the show notes when we get the, when we get the episode up on happy to do so. Yeah, that'd be great. So, um, I guess uh, uh, changing gears a little bit, uh, uh, the uh, you interviewed a a lot of leaders for the for the book. Um, uh, you know, I guess feel free to brag on yourself. Who who were some of them, and uh, and also were there any common themes you noticed in their responses to uh, the the questions that you were asking them when you were doing these interviews? Yes, I think they all answered. Um similar but different what do i mean yeah. similar similar in themes and there the people i interviewed were a collection of thought leaders as well as business leaders and but they're all coming from a mindset of grace in the sense that in their lives and in their comments they showed that they are other directed they are out to help other people a classic example was alan malali whom i interviewed alan was the ceo of ford motor company and when he essentially helped rescue the company when it was in dire financial straits. And yeah. Alan was, it was um, energetic and enthusiastic and someone who always believed in the power of team. And what Alan talked about was love, humility, and service. Um, and when people sense that from you as the leader, that you care about them and that you're humble, in other words, you can take feedback or you know you don't act like you have all the answers. And more importantly, with Alan, the concept of service, servant leadership, that brings people to, uh, to him, which in turn helps the enterprise. And we're gonna talk about the shadow of a leader or what we had spoken about earlier, um, Alan, about create, or, uh, Alan, about creating a culture where uh, reciprocal values you saw that because Alan was manifesting these things, his direct reports did. And mm -hmm. in on turn, the company culture changed to a degree. And mm -hmm. 
And in part, that was one of the reasons for the successful turnaround of Ford was people practicing the values. And um, I mean, they don't, you know, turned good product and good service, of course, let's not minimize that. But there was right. a kind of a different cultural aspect that Alan awakened within them. And so that was important. Um, I also talked to uh, um, Scott Moorhead, who runs um, a telco enterprise, uh, TCC. They're a, a premium retailer for a Verizon. And Alan, or, um, Scott has this mindset of, as a leader, you give people permission to care. So what does that mean? It means that um, I believe in something called the culture of service, but sometimes we don't wanna reach beyond our boundaries because we think, well, I should, I don't wanna get involved. Yeah. And that's fine. But for Scott is give people permission to care and act on it if you want. That doesn't mean you're a busybody or a nosy person, but be with others. Um, in the book, I. Uh, use the example of Father Greg Boyle, who's a Jesuit priest in uh, Los Angeles, who create, who founded Homeboy Industries, which is the okay. largest gang intervention uh, program in the country, uh, maybe in the world. And he is actually, uh, Fa Father G, as he's known, is a terrific writer. And in his book, um, second book he wrote called Barking to the Choir, he talks, the subtitle, which I don't have at the ready, he talks about something called radical kinship. What radical kinship is, is discovering the space or recognizing the spaces between us and, and being connected. So how does that play out? I think engagement, as we had talked about earlier, really comes down to connectedness. And so I, as a boss, want to be connected to you in a way that you can feel it because I'm on your corner. At mm -hmm. the same time, I'm going to know that I'm there for you. And as a team, I want others to be there for you too. So mm -hmm. it's, we're all kind of pulling together. We exemplify it through our actions. Um, I believe in something called culture of service, which means I'm going to help you try to do your job better, not to meddle, but if you need a helping hand, I'm there, you know, and I don't impose, but I'm there and I'm just kind of a good quote team player. Now that's this connectedness translated to an organizational uh, standpoint. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, the, uh, the, the connection between connect connectedness and an engagement is, you know, it's pretty obvious to everybody that, um, or it should be obvious to everybody that, we are social animals and, you know, most of us or the vast majority of us need, whether we're introverts, extroverts, whatever we need to, uh, we need that feeling of uh, being on a team or being part of something and, uh, and all of that. And so I get Absolutely. And this is where purpose goes back to purpose. We all want to be part of something greater than ourselves. We mm -hmm. want to have purpose in our lives and we want to work for a purposeful organization. Mm -hmm. And when we sense that, then we want to pitch in where grace comes in. Grace becomes that agent that um, that sort of uh, brings us together. It, it, it um, facilitates a greater a connectedness and in turn an understanding. And we 
nurture this through our actions, our words and our actions. So mm -hmm. we speak with kindness. We have a generous spirit. We show compassion. We act for the greater good. And we energize the team. You know, I, I, we haven't talked a lot about the energy component of it, but as a leader, he or she must be the energizer bunny for the organization, if you will. So yeah. that means that you got to keep yourself in, in shape and whatever that means, eat right, healthy, uh, exercise when possible, take care of your um, uh, inner needs too. be connected to out your friends and family, live a whole connected life, if you will, but then um, mobilize the team for the greater good, for our purpose, which, you know, it's, it's, it's a cyclical thing. It's a circular thing, a virtual yeah. circle that we all pitch in and it one hand nudges the other and it all, comes out together. So. Yeah. So um, we're coming kind of closer to the end of our time together, but I did want to get in one last uh, kind of big picture ish kind of question. And that is, uh, you know, so we've talked a lot of talked about some of the examples from the book. We've talked about some of the theory behind uh, behind what it means to be uh, a graceful leader or lead with grace. Uh, what are some, uh, uh, let's drill down and uh, talk, uh, talk about some of the behaviors, you know, what is, what is a behavior or habit that a, uh, uh, a leader uh, who's leading with grace should exhibit? What's something that somebody could take away from this conversation? No, I think that's, um, it comes down to some, you know, I don't mind saying think positively of others, mm -hmm. listen first, um, um, look to the good, uh, don't react, uh, better to act, um, don't act on slights, you know, sure. let them pass by, you know, I mean, not repeated, that doesn't mean be a, 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 a rollover, but try <laughs> to look at the bigger picture, but the team, what's the team trying to achieve? Um, accent your, know what your purpose is and share it with others so that well, you can bring people together. And I think the other one is be there for others. And what do I mean by that? This gets back to the connectedness that um, if we sense someone, our teammate is in need of, for whatever is an outside issue or an internal issue, simply connect with them, be there, spend some time with them. And then if they ask for help or make it known that, hey, if you need an extra hand, let's talk about it. Um, don't impose, but be available. Um, also adopt a, a mindset of humility. And I always like to tease, I said, humility is something they don't teach in business school or law school, and maybe with good reason, but humility is that acknowledgement of one's own, uh, shortcomings, but yeah. in doing so that is a sign of strength. That means I have a sense of centeredness <clears throat> about myself, which in turn is a form of grace, I think. And then but not knowing that I'll say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not the expert in this, but I know who is. And that's you, Alan. So I invite you in to share your learning. I'm your boss. That kind of humility is good. And it's also a sense of show vulnerability when appropriate. In other words, show that caring and compassion and, and also occasional weakness. Admit when you've made a mistake, make amends for these kinds of things. So these are simple some of them are just simple golden rule nuggets that yeah, we've yeah. learned forever, but we're so busy we forget them. Yes, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It's sort of it is sort of um, 
this is not to demean all the hard work you've done on the book, but a lot, some of it is definitely be a better person and you'll be a better leader uh, is, is in some ways what you're saying here. I think there's great truth in that. And it's, um, you know, I'm an executive coach by trade. And so Mm -hmm. my goal is when I work with someone who wants to adopt a new behavior, a new way of doing something, it's a, it's let's be specific about it. Say you want to improve your communication. Well, what specifically do you want to work on? Improve your listening, uh, which means don't be the first one to speak. Uh, <laughs> be patient when you listen. All those kinds of things. So these are very tactical and practical things. Just as what does it mean to be a graceful leader? They're t- t- you know, specific tasks that you can show that add to the outlook and the example that you set. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how big change happens with small actions. Um, Without question. And I think that's where, you know, so when change roots takes root, it's because of the small actions that build, that's certainly in culture and Mm -hmm. Hey, that's the way we like things and we like it and we see success in it and we want to repeat it. And, and individually it becomes a habit. So we follow through on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then also, of course, once uh, once something becomes a habit, it's uh, you, it doesn't take the energy that it did initially to to do it like. Uh, Absolutely. You know, to use a, a rather boring example of, uh, of my life with uh, a couple of years ago, I uh, I was just like, you know what, you you look better when you're clean shaven all the time. Like you don't look so great when it's three days of scruff. <laughs> let's let's change that. And so I just started shaving every day. And now, and it took, uh, I kind of had to flog myself to do it initially, but now I do it without thinking. And now it's just part of my calculation of how long it takes to get ready in the morning and all of that stuff. And and now I can, uh, now, I, now I had, you know, then I had the energy, I didn't expend any extra mental energy on it after a while. That's a good point. Yeah. It's a little thing. And in return, it's why do you do it? Well, I look better at it. Maybe I feel better at it, but others, uh, it, it helps me be a more approachable to others, which in turn helps me be a better contributor. I mean, a little tiny thing, but that's what gets to your point of small things can lead to greater things. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate all the time that you've um, uh, given to us today. So um, I, uh, I do want to give you a, a chance, obviously, check out the book again. Um, Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. Uh, check it out on Amazon. And uh, also, John, uh, since you're always doing, uh, I'm sure there's another book coming in, at some point or you're, you know, you're going to be speaking somewhere. Uh, what's the best way for people to stay up to date with what you're working on? Good. Um, well, thank you, Alan. It's been a pleasure to be on the show. I have a went- website, which is John, my name, johnbaldoni.com. There's also one for Grace, which is gracethebook.com, but you don't even need to remember that. Just Google my name or Google Grace and that'll pop up. Uh, but I also know that I write regularly for Forbes.com and I'm also a contributor to Smart Brief. Um, and, uh, in addition, um, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. So, uh, so there's, I'm pretty easy to find and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the lessons of grace. 
because uh, it's important to me and I think it can help others become more effective in the way they live and lead. Well, thank you. I can't think of a better way to, to wrap it all up. So thanks again for your time. Remember everybody to check out John's book and for all ideas related, uh, related to uh, human capital and HR and just, um, you know, being a better version of yourself, you can check us out at Human Capital Institute. Uh, go to hci.org. And if you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can email us at bestu at hci.org. We might read it on the next show. So don't forget to like us, rate us, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Alan Mellish.